Hello and welcome to Joe's Boys. This is a podcast for little women, little men, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Peyton Thomas. I'm the author of the novel Both Sides Now. I'm also a writer for publications like Vanity Fair and the New York Times. And I'm here today with my very special guest, Jake Maya Arlo. Jake is the author of multiple novels, including the Stonewall Honor book, Almost Flying, and the indie bestseller, How to Excavate a Heart. Their next novel, The Year My Life Went Down the Toilet, just came out on August 1st, so you can pause the pod, run to your favorite bookstore, buy it, read it, then come back to us. Jake, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am literally quaking <laughs> with excitement to discuss this yeah. chapter. I'm When you told me that I had the immense honor and privilege to discuss basically the chapter in yeah. Little Women, I was over the moon. I immediately started rereading the book. So I have read reread the whole thing up to this chapter so i'm sorry yeah, i mean i am we're holding hands through zoom here just hang yes, on real tight yes. my sweaty hands i'm like sweating all over ready to discuss i was this. getting ready this morning and actually crying which doesn't happen a lot for me <laughs> one of the side effects of going on tea for me is i very rarely cry now mm-hmm. so but it happened this morning this a.m getting ready so before i ask you to recap the chapter. Okay. What's your relationship to Little Women? Okay, that's such a great question because I was not a Little Uh Women kid. I thought whenever I heard the title Little Women, A Little Princess Secret Garden, I was like, these books are going to be so stuffy. Mm. They're going to be so girly. I could never, ever read any of these books. But I was an Anne of Green Gables kid. And it wasn't necessarily because I so desperately wanted to be, but it was because my mom just started reading them to me and I was so obsessed with them. I was like, so Anne coded my whole childhood. I was always like, oh my God, she loves puff sleeves. She's such a rebel. I love her. But obviously that probably would have fallen into the same camp for me of all those other books that I mentioned if it hadn't been read aloud to me. So when the Greta Gerwig movie was coming out, I was like, okay, I have to read Little Women. Also, I was listening to a podcast where I got a spoiler about Little Women, where I I hadn't known Beth died (laughs) until I listened to that podcast. And I was like, I guess I was just spoiled with this 150-plus-year-old book, and now I have to read it to find out how this happens. So I started reading it, and this was in 2019, (laughs) fall 2019, and I was so, so obsessed. I was annotating it. I was I just was so sad that I hadn't read it as a child, especially because it was so romantic and so not romantic in a romance sense, as I think we'll get into, but like romantic in the way that Joe talks about it, of just story like and romantic. I definitely would have wanted to speak how they spoke as a kid and had a friend like Lori. So I looked back because I had been when I would read classics in 2017 to 2019 ish, I would write some newsletters about them just because I'm a freak. So I wrote one for Frankenstein. I wrote one for God. What is that Nathaniel Hawthorne book? That's not a Scarlet Letter. Oh my God. Why am I forgetting? House of the Seven Gables. (laughs) That's his, is it? Oh my God. Who wrote that book? Him? Yes, thank God, that, it's Nathaniel Hawthorne. Okay, that that may be the book that Louisa May Alcott refused to read because it was I, dedicated to. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like with the. De- I was listening to that where you talked about that. I was like, wow, what an interesting beef. I love the 1800s Massachusetts writer <laughs> beef, and it's so interesting too because my cousins are from Salem, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. That's where the House of the Seven Gables is, and I had been so enmeshed in Nathaniel Hawthorne lore, but I'd never been enmeshed in Louisa May Alcott lore, which is so uh-huh. sad. But I was reading over my newsletter that I wrote 
her. And it was so funny to read my mindset in 2019, which is not that long ago, but I feel like in the, it, it's a pandemic yeah, yeah. ago. So it feels like a really long time ago. And my first impression with Joe is not like the other girls. And by the end, I was like, I'm a Joe. <laughs> I was so diehard. It's so funny. So I guess that answers my next yeah. question, well, which is no, which Mars sister are you? Okay, but I have okay. a more complex answer because I will read what I was just this morning in preparation for this podcast, reading over the newsletters that I sent about Little Women during my reading process. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, and I think you had been discussing this with the Little Women scholars, the people who are presidents of the Louisa May Alcott Society about how one of them was like, who doesn't think they're a Joe? And the other one was like, well, I think <laughs> a lot of people don't, but... Yeah. <laughs> Is there anyone who reads Little Women who doesn't see themselves as a Joe? And I said, are there people out there who actually relate to Meg, Beth, this seems impossible, Amy? Though I have to admit, I like Amy more in the last two thirds of the book. And this also, I only read, it was a version that separated Little Women in the second half. So I had only read the first half before seeing the movie. So I still hadn't read Beth's stuff. But anyway, (laughs) so I do definitely think of myself as a Joe, but I think I'm a Joe's son. And then Mm -hmm. an Amy Moon, because that's your emotional nature. I think I have a very petulant side of me. I'm very, it's sort of dramatic, that kind of thing. And then maybe a Lori Rising. And because I think he has kind of little bitch baby energy, which we can (laughs) definitely get into in this chapter that I definitely embody at times. Well, bitch baby energy. There's a part at the very beginning of this chapter where... Oh, he's embodying it she for the says, whole chapter. No, but she sets forth to meet him, hoping he wouldn't go and make her hurt his poor little feelings. That's yeah. Joe's voice. Yeah. <laughs> Joe is like, yeah, he's poor a little, little bitch baby. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm very much a Lori sympathizer in many ways in this chapter. I think it really was not good for me to have seen my first impression of Laurie being Timothy Chalamet, because I have to admit, I'm very biased yeah. against that man. <laughs> okay, and I'm very biased for So we have yes. to set that aside. To yes. me, we're just putting you... Oh, no, I, yeah. for this, In this reading, I have not at all been thinking of Laurie as Timothy Chalamet. He's yeah. very separate to me from him. I will even say this. I think my one quibble with Timothy Chalamet's performance in this film, I think just he plays one. the second... Well, okay, I love him, right? <laughs> And you're not a fan, and that's we'll set that aside <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think he plays the latter half of this argument way too cool. Yeah, yeah. Lori is not in a good place in this no. in the text at the end of this, and Timothy is kind of hardened in a way that I don't think matches the text, and that's fine. Yeah. That's his performance choice, but I think I would have played it more weeping and rending garments. Yeah, personally. yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if we're going to maybe do a dramatic <laughs> reading of part of it where you can showcase how you would play it if you're okay (laughs) we'll get to that we'll get to that as we get into it but i mean i'm gonna have to ask you jake what happens in chapter 35 yes oh my god okay well so much but basically to set the scene so yes this is chapter 35 heartache joe we're just catching joe returning from her trip to new york that she took specifically so she could try to transmit the message to Lori that she was not in the headspace for him to propose to her, nor did she want him to. But he's like, no, we're going to have it out. And he's being a very stubborn, emotional little man and tells Joe he will love her forever and ever and begs her to love him. And she's, you know, being very sort of much cooler, I would say, than Joe is normally telling him no, that she can't. And then Joe goes to the old Mr. Lawrence to 
tell him what had happened so that he could comfort Lori because she's they're both kind of worried about him. And Mr. Lawrence is like, I think we need to head to Europe. Don't worry. I'll stay in Paris and London. You can go to Switzerland, but we got to get out of here. And he's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, at the very end, yes, and then, yes. Lori tries one last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny, too, because if you were just hearing the conversation around them, you'd be like, what are they even talking about? But it's Cow. Joe and Lori understand perfectly each other and what they're trying to say, even if Lori doesn't want to know what Joe is saying. Yeah. No, it's just brutal. It is, as you said, it's the chapter. I think it's a chapter. Usually, this is where I kind of just open the floor and we talk (laughs) about any part of the chapter. We talk about any kind of thing related to the chapter. But this one, I think we're going to have to go play by play because I think we do. The emotional landscape of this chapter changes from sentence to sentence. Yeah. It's very intricate. And so I also have a special treat for you, which is that. (gasps) Okay. I went in the fall of 2021 to the Concord Free Public Library and held the original manuscript of this chapter in my my hands and transcribed it. So throughout, (gasps) I can contrast the first draft of this chapter with the published version. Oh my god, I feel so... I would hate for someone to read aloud my (laughs) first drafts, but I'm so glad that we have those available. There are some key differences okay. that are interesting for gender reasons. Yes, I think I read the article that you wrote about this. Don't, I'm yes. a prepared podcast guest. Yes. There's also a violent kiss that comes in at one oh point, my God. which is okay. not in the published version. So I'm very curious. Well, about I'll tell that. you when we get there. But okay. let's start at the beginning. So Lori graduates with honors. He gives which the is Latin shocking. <laughs> No, well, it's, it's shocking. Not. It's part of kind of Lori's when he's making the case to Joe for why they should get married. He's like, I worked really hard and got really yeah. good grades. I stopped gambling and playing. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, and? <laughs> so this is part of his effort to impress Joe basically by getting yeah. really good grades. That's, yeah. Because <laughs> earlier on, when we've been talking to Lori about his gambling and his drinking, it's been with this kind of parental heir. We just want you to do well in your life. And Lori was like, okay, so this is what I need to do to get her to marry me. That's and how it's funny too, because it. even in the Meg marriage chapter, Meg uh-huh. was like, I took this moment of Lori's wedding yeah. to make sure, I think it was smoking cigars <laughs> or something like that to make him promise he wouldn't smoke cigars. So it's all of them, all the March sisters want him to stop his, you know, dandyish ways. But for some reason, he yep. thinks if he does this for Joe, she'll fall in love yep. with him. In the wedding chapter, he's like, did Joe break all the wine bottles hot? And they're like, yeah. no, this is a sober wedding. And yeah. while you're here, let's give you a talk about temperance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> it was alcohol. I mean, Mr. March thinks that wine should only be used for medicine. Yes. Only Beth can have wine. I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> if I honestly um, think Beth should, <laughs> Beth can and should have wine. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the end of this but letting if you are listening to the audiobook and you let it play for one more chapter you go from this to just i was sobbing and sobbing in the next chapter but no i yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just recorded the proceeding. So we, we go God. from this horrific breakup rejection scene to, anyway, now that Lori's out of the way, I'm going to the beach with my dying sister. Right. To me, there was that did yeah. add a lot of context to it because Joe has mm-hmm. bigger things to worry about. I think this time, I have read this scene before. I know I said yeah. I'd only read the first half, but then after I went and read basically up to this scene as well. So I've still yeah. never read best death, but, and I really don't want to, uh, but it I, felt so almost trivial, not trivial, but Lori's emotions in it are so 
childish and impetuous. That word is used so many times as well. Then in the next chapter when Beth is like, I am accepting my death. This is so much bigger <laughs> than, oh God, it's just, I don't know. I, I thought a lot about Joe's relationships to like, her sisters and the almost romantic nature of those versus the way she feels for Laurie. Yeah. I think you're very much onto something with kind of the, the very close and intimate romantic nature of the sisterhood versus the this is absolutely not a romance of this scene. I wanted to bring us back for a moment. I think something relevant to consider here is kind of the process by which Little Women was written. So she wrote volume one first, intended it as a standalone volume. The first volume ends with... Literally the funniest line. (laughs) Yes. It's like, well, if anyone cares. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the reception. Yeah. If anyone wants a sequel, so let me know. But Meg and John Brooke get engaged. Yes. And Joe is not happy about this, mm. but has kind of resigned herself that it's happening. And there's a parallel, though, as John Brooke and Meg are getting engaged, Joe and Lori have this conversation. It can never be the same again. I've lost my dearest friend, sighed Joe. You've got me anyhow. I'm not good for much, I know. But I'll stand by you, Joe, all the days of my life. Upon my word, I will. And Laurie meant what he said. I know you will. And I'm ever so much obliged. You were always a great comfort to me, Teddy. Returned Joe, gratefully shaking hands. Well, now, don't be dismal. There's a good fellow. That's Laurie to Joe. You're a good fellow. It's all right, you see. We'll have capital times when Meg is gone for I shall be through college before long and then we'll go abroad or some nice trip or other. Wouldn't that console you? And Joe says, I I rather think it would. So there's this parallel as Meg and John Brooke are going through the very heteronormative paces of getting engaged and preparing to be married. Joe and Lori are vowing to be friends and kind of planning a trip to be friends forever. Yeah, for as yeah. long as they live, and then to go on a trip that's definitely not a honeymoon. It's this platonic parallel to what Meg and John Brooke are doing. It's entirely on Joe and Lori's terms. There's not like a whisper of romance here, but Alcott resolved that relationship on the last page of the last chapter, I think precisely the way that she wanted to do yeah. it. It's this fantasy of eternal comradeship between Joe, who's a woman or one who wants to be a man, and then Lori. And there's not a hint of romance in it at all, right? Uh, and it's the same thing as when Lori's friends come home from college. They wanted to be Joe's best friend, but none of them ever fell in love with her, which again is... <laughs> yeah, they were all like, Amy, 15-year-old Amy is hot, and <laughs> Joe is just a guy. But I Joe's think, just one of the dudes! Yeah, yeah, but also I think what you're saying, of that was how, you know, Alcott wanted to yeah. close that. There is something so... I'm so glad I didn't read the second mm-hmm. half Initially, because there is just something so melancholy throughout the entirety of the second book. I personally, and I think this underscores, I mean, and I know since Joe is such a personal character for Louisa May Alcott, this is definitely something that she was also thinking of. But the girls are just allowed to be like children in the first book. When Meg goes to the rich friends in the first book and they're like, oh, she's just a girl. She's 17, but she's a girl. Because Marmee sort of encouraged that and allowed that and wanted Uh that. And there's something so, they were cloistered away in this space. And then for them to sort of grow up, Joe is resisting it the whole time in the second book, but it obviously just happens because time works that way. And it's so (laughs) devastating to read. And I think I definitely have a lot of the same feelings of Joe about growing up, those things, those changes being so devastating. Like even when I was a child, Joe, when she's, you know, 15 or 16 in the first book, her thinking about that, 
I was totally thinking about that too. And then to have it go so quick when, you know, you're reading the book as one continuous, the two books as one continuous book, and you're like seeing them grow older and dealing with these things. And it's so sad. The whole thing is tinged with so much sadness that I'm like, I really wish I didn't have, I'm glad this scene exists. I kind of wish the whole thing didn't. (laughs) I completely understand what you mean. I think Joe's kind of like, I don't even want to go through this. I don't even want to have this conversation. Kind of mirrors Alcott. I don't even want to be doing this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This was not the plan for these characters. They were supposed to go be friends in Europe. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What happened between the publication of the first novel and the second was that Alcott was inundated with letters from people. Just like Joe at the beginning of the second part of this book. (laughs) Yep. Was inundated with letters saying... From girls, from girl readers, children saying, when is Joe going to marry Lori? Write a second (laughs) book where Joe marries Lori. That was the demand. And in her writing about this, just in letters to friends and in her journal, she's like, I am not going to marry Joe to Lori to please anyone. It's not happening. In fact, I can't wait for people to write me angry letters. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It was very important for her that these characters not wind up together romantically in a way that really undermines, I think, the lovely kind of non-heteronormative bonding platonic vows at the beginning of the first book, because now we have to have this conversation. I think, yeah, it is so sad because if you just imagined the future for them from the first book, you could just imagine them, even if it's not realistic, just being old sports, traveling the world together, not worrying about anything. But like, obviously they do because it's the time they live in and they both have to, in some way, interact with the world in the way that they're expected to. Yeah. And the expectation for a man and a woman who were close at this time was marriage. Yeah. (laughs) And I think Joe's resistance of that script is very bold. And I kind of wonder about the extent to which I don't doubt for a second that Laurie's feelings for Joe are sincere, but he's just pouring them into the only vessel he knows, which is, okay, so we have to get married, right? right? right. These feelings (laughs) are all also strong, but it's so interesting the way they're expressed in this chapter because I circled it so many times. The Mm -hmm. characterization that Alcock gives to Teddy throughout it all, Uh why did I call him Teddy, is, I was reading that where Joe calls him Teddy, (laughs) is, I'm like, okay, am I Joe? Mm -hmm. Is desperation. That word is used so many times because this is a last-ditch effort to maintain that relationship, the way their relationship was. Because if they get married, it doesn't mean that necessarily they have to live the way that it's expected to live, but they would be allowed to continue being as close as they had been in a more official capacity rather than what would inevitably happen if they don't marry, which is as... Lori says in his very stubborn and childish way where he's like, no, you're just going to marry someone else and you're going to love him and you're going to be kind to him. And she's like, well, yeah, if someone makes me feel that way, I probably will. Yeah. (laughs) And Lori's not ready to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's begin then. Let's go through the conversation because we get, it's a real argument. We kind of circle I think mirroring a real argument, we go back on the same point a few times. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, ups the, and in, downs. it's the same point basically the entire time that yeah, Lori yeah. is just hammering in. Yeah. Okay. So we start out, they are going for a walk. Yes. Lori has graduated. He has given the Latin narration with the grace of a Phillips, which is a reference to Wendell Phillips, the abolitionist. Mm. So that's a fun little hint to Louisa May Alcott's abolitionism yes. here. But also, Joe no, Lori, yeah, the yes. walk that they're taking is not their regular walks. Joe is already like, this yes. is awkward, and Lori is like rambling. Yeah. 
But even before, Lori's like, do you want to go for a walk? And Lori thanked her with a look that made her think in a sudden panic, oh, dearie me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. he'll say something, and then what shall I do? So that she goes home, she sleeps on it, she wakes up and decides she wouldn't be vain enough to think people were going to propose when she had given them every reason to know what yeah. her answer Yeah, and it's so interesting, too, because I wrote there that I don't think she has given him every reason. You could easily I read into know. what she's done as love and care yeah. in the same way that Lori's is, but also it's so funny because just a few chapters before Amy is writing back from Europe, was it Fred or Frank? She was like, he hasn't asked yeah. me yet, but he is gonna. And when he does, I think I'll probably <laughs> say yes. Amy is so vain in a beautiful way where she's like, obviously yes. these men want to marry me. And Joe is like, this man does not want to marry me. And I've made it abundantly I- clear. She's like, I went to New York for a few months, so that yeah. should pretty much communicate. <laughs> right, I like, went on I a little vacation. Away. <laughs> it's yeah. all good. And then there's a hint also of just <laughs> the way that this is characterized is very funny to me. She set forth for the walk at the appointed time, hoping Teddy wouldn't go and make her hurt his poor little feelings. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think on top of this, Joe is just kind of being, she's not. Lori's at a 10. Yeah. And Joe's at a five and is like, I don't understand why you're at a 10. <laughs> I, this is, I, it's such a real thing though. I have had yeah. a few of these conversations and I've been on both sides of them, not with marriage, but just in regards to relationships where you can oh, tell if you're the Joe, you know, you're like, I'm going to break this person's heart. And if you're the Lori, you can see yeah. in their eyes, even if you don't want to, you know what the answer is going to be, but you still are like, yeah, no, this can work. It feels so <laughs> current real and yeah even though it's not marriage now is not the first conversation that you have like this it's so yeah so no i get it (laughs) having been the joe in a few situations there's just no way you can come out of this conversation without feeling like a dick yeah no even if even if you haven't done anything wrong it's just a very hard it's you know especially if you do genuinely care for your friend and you're like this just isn't that yeah so she sees Lori looming in the distance and has a strong desire to turn about and run away. (laughs) (laughs) He calls out to her and is like, hey, where's your Jews harp, your mouth harp? Well, Joe's relieved because she's like, okay, that salutation could not be called lover. We're just being bros. He's asking me where my mouth harp is. I also (laughs) noted that where the word desire comes in. And for Joe, Mm. the desire is to run away. Yeah, That is the only part where desire takes place, which is such a heavy word. And it's like, no, my desire is to run. My desire is to not be here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she always used to take his arm on these occasions. Now she did not. And he made no complaint, which was a bad sign. (laughs) Why is that a bad sign? Because I was thinking, and then because then he starts talking rapidly. It's like, oh, he's not teasing her. I'm imagining him at the beginning of this conversation a little frazzled and nervous because he they both know this conversation is about to happen, but he's working up the courage to say something. I can totally see that. It's so clear in my mind. Yeah, I think the dynamic for Joe and Lori for a while has been Lori's been off at college having all these little flirtations. When he comes to Joe, he'll flirt with Joe and Joe will roll her eyes and be like, okay, stop it. Yeah, (laughs) but it's not, and it's not stop it in a flirty way even. It's just, no, it's stop. He does it to get a rise out of her and now that's not happening. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, oh, fuck. Right. He talks rapidly about all sorts of faraway subjects. So he's nervous. And then there's a dreadful pause and Lori knows he's going to bomb. Yeah. And Joe knows what's coming as well and it's just wrenching he doesn't even say it he looks down at her with an expression that assured her (laughs) the dreaded moment had come and made her put out her hand with an imploring no teddy please don't yeah i love that she's the one who has to start the conversation (laughs) she's like no please 
She has the first word here and yeah. it's no. Yeah. It's literally no. And the way that Laurie phrases it is even, I wrote this, my annotation is like someone who knows he's about to get a no. He's already gotten a no. Yeah, he literally got a no first thing. <laughs> he got a no. Yeah. <laughs> it really is the kind of thing where he's been sitting up for, I'm imagining he's been sitting up for nights before crafting the exact speech because he's like, I will yeah. and you must hear me. He's like, even I know the answer is going to be no, I can change. I know in his mind right like- now, he's like, I can change. I can change her mind. She's going to come out of the conversation totally saying yes. <laughs> I- and that's just not the case. Can I tell you something, Jake? What, Please. There was one time I really liked someone and I had to like have this conversation with them and I truly had no idea where their mind was at. Oh my God. And it was over the telephone because it had to be. Yeah. So I, in advance, wrote out a flowchart. Oh my God. If they say this, <laughs> you say this. Oh my God. No, that's so real though. Being there. It's no, real. No, because it's, it also, I feel, obviously feel for Lori and I feel for Joe. It's very, mm-hmm. it would be very hard to not feel for either of them in this situation. And so yeah. I think they've been yeah. put by Louisa May Alcott into a tough situation yeah. or maybe Louisa May Alcott's yeah. readers or editors, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that Lori doesn't know exactly what Joe will say say but regardless yeah. is like we just need to have it out there is we yeah. can't move yeah. on until we have it out yeah to Lori's credit I think the language we've got to have it out and the sooner yeah. the better for both of us he's like it is unhealthy for us to yeah. keep tiptoeing around yeah. this right and I'll also introduce this I think this is there's maybe no other moment in the book where Joe is more of a man and Lori is more of a woman yeah yeah no that does feel that way <laughs> Lori is in this very feminized position of the desperate lover who's like, my yeah. life will have no meaning unless we get married. And Joe is like, you need to calm down. Yeah, she's <laughs> just, very, I mean, she is a very emotional person. But in this situation, she yeah. allows, she's somehow through all of Marmy's very moralized <laughs> lessons has taken to heart yeah. what she must do. And she really yeah. follows through. Yeah, I think later on in the conversation, she does start to freak out a bit and we'll get there. Yeah. But what she says is, say what you like, then I'll listen, said Joe with a desperate sort of patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there so is the-, the word desperate and desperation. And yeah. it comes up so much in this chapter. After. Yeah. The desperate sort of patience is so, she's like, okay, it's like, if I just buckle in, <laughs> I will get through yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. And Lori was in earnest and meant to have it out if he died in the attempt. It really feels the stakes are that high for him. He plunges into the subject with characteristic impetuosity, which is moving without thought or care, <laughs> saying in a voice that would get choky now and then in spite of manful efforts to keep it steady. So Very like already, manful efforts. Yeah. So already there's this gender transgression here of yeah. Lori, in spite of his manful efforts to keep his voice steady, can't do it. Yeah, He's failing is, as a man here. It's such a, even his very first sentence, <laughs> that he says right after this but his classic yeah. line is so if you took that out of context especially with the name yeah. joe and you had no knowledge of the character's little women you might yeah. think the woman was saying this you absolutely <laughs> might think that which actually i don't know who doesn't have a knowledge of the characters of little women but no, if but. you literally just showed that to some like a child and said what gender is the person speaking like, i don't know what they would yeah. say in fact you know what last year when i did my big twitter thread about louisa may alcott is trans and the government yeah. knows it i included an excerpt from greta gerberg's script where joe and Lori are meeting at the dance and dancing Mm -hmm. and Gerwig has this bit of stage direction in Mm -hmm. It's a Film but whatever. Says sometimes Joe is the man and sometimes Lori the woman, vice versa. They switch roles during the dance. And so I posted that on Twitter and someone wrote okay, Joe and Lori are both girls so obviously they just mean that they're taking different roles and you're reading too much into this. And I'm like, 
You're like, oh no, what's our, what have you, okay. I guess either you don't know or fun trans rating no. of Lori. <laughs> Someone who was, you're very wrong about this, and I'm going to tell you while being extremely wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah. So basically what Joe is saying is, I've loved you ever since I've known you. I've tried to show it, but you wouldn't let saying. me. Right. Now I'm going to make you hear and give me an answer for I can't go on any longer. I'm going to make you hear and give me an answer. You're being very forthright. Yeah. And Joe says, I wanted to save you this. <laughs> I went to New York. I did not I went want to this. New York. <laughs> I wanted you to just, I just wanted to telegraph the message into your brain so that we wouldn't have to have this conversation. And so then what's interesting here, then Joe says, I thought you'd understand dot, dot, dot. And Lori cuts her off and says, I know you did think I'd understand, but girls are so queer. You never know what they mean. Girls are so queer. Girls are queer. Happy Pride Month. (laughs) They say no when they mean yes and drive a man out of his wits just for the fact of it. And Joe answers, I don't. I love that because it's like, I'm not a girl. Like, I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, girls do this and girls do that. And Joe's like, well, I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, we could read that very generally as, well, maybe girls in general do this, but not me. Or girls do this. and I'm not a girl. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, I don't know. I feel like she doesn't even understand that as a possibility of the way she sees Amy doing that with (laughs) men. And she's like, how could she do that? I just can never play with someone's feelings like that. Yeah. I think in a very, Joe is also talking here about the general thing of leading someone on. Yeah. Right. And flirtation. And she's like, I think we get to later in this chapter, she's like, Joe had seen girls flirt with men. And she's like, how did they do that? Because I would feel, I feel terrible that I tried to give Lori every signal. And still, I couldn't imagine if I had actually been leading him on how much worse this would be. She says here, I never wanted to make you care for me. So she's like, I was not trying to produce this heartache in you. Yeah. This is not on me. (laughs) Which is, you know, she's, she's like, I didn't want to hurt you. I'm saying no, but it's not because I want to break your heart. Yeah. I think that's so, yeah, I don't know, that I never wanted to make you care for me, so it's just, yeah, she yeah. really did try. <laughs> it's just, so now Lori is like, love me because I love you, and Joe's like, not how it works, buddy. So now Lori is yeah. making his case. He says, I worked hard to please you, I gave up billiards and everything you didn't like, and waited and never complained, for I hope you'd love me, though I'm not half good enough. <laughs> there was a choke that couldn't be controlled, an unmanful cry, we might say. Yeah. So he decapitated buttercups while he cleared his <laughs> confounded throat. It's interesting, too, because he's trying to reason. And I don't remember exactly where, but later in the chapter, Joe is trying to reason. It's basically Louisa May Alcott's like, reason is not compatible with love is something she says. So it's interesting that he's like, these are the reasons. Because clearly he has (laughs) the feelings because maybe he knows she needs reasons. And if she hears the reasons, that's fine. She'll understand. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is we are past. Exactly. We are past pure emotional appeal. Okay, well... I would be a good match because I've done all these things and stop playing billiards. (laughs) Is that enough? And I think though I'm not half good enough is just very sad here. The lack of love that has been in Lori's life. His parents died when he was a child. He's been shunted around these boarding schools. His grandfather, you know, really was like, all right, I'll let this tutor raise you. And, (laughs) you know, and Lori began this book incredibly isolated and sad and withdrawn. And when he says I'm not half good enough, I think he genuinely believes it. Yeah, he so <laughs> idolizes the March sisters yeah. and their love and their relationships. I yeah. can imagine him, and I mean, he does, but just wanting any in to that family and the love yeah. they have for each other. Yeah, and in the surrounding chapters, Joe is like, well, you know, I guess Meg's out of the way and I can't marry him, but 
Beth, I think. He would be right. a good it's match. It's so Maybe devastating Amy. that she thinks <laughs> Beth's secret is, I have a crush on Lori. And it's like, I know I'm dying. Girl, yeah. that is so far from what your sister thought. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of the crush on Beth theory does not come. Sorry, Beth's crush. That does yeah. not come up in this chapter. That is no, not mentioned. No. She's not, you can't marry or me because yeah. Beth loves you. It's just not here. <laughs> right. Because she knows that that's not enough of a reason. She needs to give her <laughs> own reasons. Yeah, exactly. And so what she says here then is she's like, stop, don't be hard on yourself. You're a great deal too good for me. I'm grateful to you. I'm proud of you. I'm fond of you. I don't see why I can't love you as you want me to. I've tried, but I can't change the feeling. And it would be a lie to say I do when I don't. Yeah. (laughs) How do we feel? about that i mean yeah it's very queer Mm -hmm. i don't know i think obviously that she's tried to force herself to care for this boy that everyone thinks including her family and his will end up together but she's like literally i can't i have tried i'm not gonna i love you so much but really like a brother and not at all how you want me to what i'm stuck on here i mean i think the queer resonance of this is very loud. What I'm stuck on is when she says, I've tried, when did she try? Yeah, I don't think she has tried. I think that's kind of, I think, but it, maybe she's imagined it, but she certainly hasn't, at least in the text, yeah. expressed any desire or attempts at seeing him in a romantic or sexual way. Yeah, the closest I can think is when Lori really comes through and is like, hey, I know Beth is sick and your mom's away and everything is shit, but I got in touch with your mom and she's coming home today. And then she throws her arms around Lori and is grateful and they kiss at that point. But But she pushes him away and is like, okay. And he's like, do it again. And she's like, "Mm, -uh." (laughs) nah. No, I think also it's interesting too because, yeah, I don't think she has tried, but also something that really (laughs) struck me, especially with Meg's marriage that is so, you know, classic marriage of the time is you don't really have to know or like someone to get married to them as long as you both sort of consent to it. And I think in the way (laughs) she's tried, maybe she means, oh, I've sort of thought of our life potentially (laughs) in the future and I don't see it that way. (laughs) No, there's been none of that. There hasn't even been, I think we'll get to this. Lori, I don't want to jump ahead, but Lori will kind of start to be like, well, what if we had kind of an alternative thing going on and we didn't have to love each other, quote unquote. I think it's interesting also for the time period that this is entirely about a love match. Yeah. Economics economics does not enter into this No, and that's so interesting too. Why? I don't know. There is part of me that's like, why can't they just figure it out? They don't have to be together in that way. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I know that in the fullness of time in the text, they sort of do. Alcott has them all living. Basically, Joe opens this Plumfield school, and then Lori opens Lawrence College right beside it. So they're all living on this big campus together and putting on plays and being queer commune vibes. Yeah. (laughs) Queer commune vibes. Yeah. But I think right now it's this chapter is just completely about foreclosing the possibility of romantic love between Joe and Lori. We're not getting any kind of platonic. I think we did get at the end of chapter, the first volume, we got the ideal Alcott's vision of Joe and Lori, which is we are best friends. And we have made a vow that is just as important as the engagement between John and Meg. And we're going to go on our platonic honeymoon soon. (laughs) And maybe it is also having seen Meg not just get married, but then have twins, Demi and Daisy. And she's like, well, I don't want to 
fuck and then carry my friend's <laughs> twins because how could that not be a consideration oh also my God. yeah even if you're not talking about it i don't know there is like a pretty yeah i don't know laurie's yeah, having kind of yeah. sexual thoughts later in the chapter in a very sly way but i feel like mm-hmm. that, that can't not be a consideration of joe's yeah i think Alcott really enjoyed children, especially enjoyed being around boys, and did adopt her sister's children later in her life, but Mm. definitely, for many reasons, didn't want to get married and didn't want to have biological children. What's interesting to me here, though, getting back to I've tried, I think we haven't seen Joe try to make it work romantically with Lori. (laughs) What we have seen Joe try in pretty recent chapters is to be feminine, to be a good woman and go on house calls and be feminine in her visits with Amy me around town and she can't do that so i think what she has tried is performance of femininity and that very yeah. much hasn't worked and there, yeah. there were also performances of femininity in new york at the boarding house with dr bear that also is i don't even know if i'm saying his that's what the audiobook was saying. whatever dr bear i don't know i'm going by what this audiobook narrator was saying but yeah i know in the book it's like and it was a german that no english person could ever pronounce <laughs> but you know he's yeah. secretly darning his socks i was like Ugh. i don't know i just didn't yeah. i know i know what yeah. happens between the two of them but i don't know how it happens because i literally haven't read there because i'm like i don't want to know and it's so funny that i'm yeah. coming into this having read and mm-hmm. loved Literally the book only up to this point. This is truly, other than the next chapter, the farthest I've ever gotten Mm -hmm. in the book, which is so funny because I know so much else happens and I don't want to read it. No, I I get that. I respect that the same way I respect not reading the epilogue of A Little Life. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The chapter right before this one ends with Bear and Joe are saying goodbye in the boarding house, and Bear looks at her with the child on her knee yeah. and is like, ah, Well, it's too bad that this is never going to happen because she's obviously in love with this Lori person. And then Joe goes off to. He imagines her yeah. as the child on his knee. And also, she likes him so much because something else, I we could keep talking about this chapter, but because mm-hmm. it doesn't come up really at all in this, but. Listening to the audiobook, I think the first time I read it, mm-hmm. I think I was just so enamored by the story, I wasn't thinking about it as much, but I was like, it is so Christian, so unbelievably <laughs> Christian. And the fact that she loves yep. Dr. Bear, or Mr., what's his name? Mr. Bear, is he a doctor? Whatever. He's <laughs> he professor. doesn't matter, Professor, professor Bear. Bear. Because at this lecture, is like, I hate science, and I love Christianity, and you all should be better Christians. <laughs> and she's like, wait, that's so sweet. I'm like, shut up. Just- oh my god. Which is so funny because in, in Alcott's journals, it's the very opposite. She's yeah. out with friends and people are ragging on one of her friends for being an atheist. And she's like, I defended him because you know what? He has a good moral code, <laughs> is spiritual in his own way. Yeah. So it's very weird. I totally didn't even, it totally passed me by in the first reading. Again, this is sort of getting off track, <laughs> but when at no, no, the please. very first bit when Marmy gives them four little books, and when I first read it, I was like, oh, it's the Pilgrim's <laughs> Progress. And I'm like, it's the fucking Bible. How did I not realize that? She never says no. Though. She never says. It's so clearly the Bible where they're like, we read it to get messages from our Heavenly Father. Oh my God. It is so, I don't know. I think I probably, I don't know if I would have noticed this as a child because obviously Anne of Green Gables and all these other books are, have so many Christian undertones because it would be hard not Mm -hmm. to. And I never felt alienated from them as a Jewish child, but I think reading it as an adult, I'm just so much more aware. Except for Sidney Taylor books, there are very few stories of families like this where it's not automatically assumed that they're extremely Christian. And even the fact that Amy is like trying to be Catholic for a minute and that's looked down upon, it's so funny to me (laughs) that it's like, no, Protestantism is the assumption in the books. And obviously 
we are Christian. Okay. We are moralizing. We are going to our castle in the sky, and that is with heaven and our father, who is more special than our father or our mother, and we love him so much. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's really a lot. <laughs> no, I know. And it's so funny because I don't know that that represented Alcott's beliefs in yeah. real life. And <laughs> the first book was actually banned again by the Christian Union from Sunday school libraries, which is so funny to think about now. It's like, what could you possibly so take issue with here? Literally, Marmy at the end of every chapter is like, and that's why we should always love God. They do <laughs> such feral things and Marmy is trying to turn it around yeah. and like, no, we do. And we do respect God yeah. here. Yeah. So... Interesting that we've been talking about God a lot. God is not. God is not in these, in cha- this in these pages. <laughs> God left. God is not to be found. God left the chat. Well, there is a spiritual reference later on. Lori talks about hell, but let's table yeah, that. Yes, <laughs> but we can yeah. Yeah. Joe has said, I've tried. When did you try? Yeah. Final not found. <laughs> Maybe I think what we've seen her try is femininity, and that's yeah, not happening. Yeah. I can't change the feeling, and it would be a lie to say I do when I don't. And Lori's like, really? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, really, truly, dear. The last words fell reluctantly from Joe's lips. It's interesting that the reluctance of saying, yeah, really, I don't love you is very... And then it deflates. She says yep. this, they have this first big outburst, and then Lori is just mm-hmm. a sad sack, and he leans his head so dramatically against a mossy post. And then Joe is like, I could kill myself. They're the two most dramatic people. Yeah. It is so, to no. me, it read so much as they are actors playing yeah. roles. They know this. And Joe is obviously, yeah. she loves yeah. acting. She's always acting in her daily life. And I so relate to that, too, of the Joe aspect of like, you're walking yeah. through, you're like trying to pretend you're the main character. She knows she's <laughs> acting in this moment, too, because she has to play a role. Yeah. that will make Lori feel no. okay. <laughs> yeah, we are in melodrama here. He stands so still that Joe is frightened. Yeah. She says, I'm so sorry, so desperately. She just starts talking really fast yeah. and says, I would kill myself if it would do any good. The first, but not the last expression of suicidality from a chapter, character in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> she follows, I could kill myself if it would do any good with, I wish you wouldn't take it so hard, yeah, which girl. makes me wonder how sincere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, Um, I could kill myself, but you should calm down. Yeah. (laughs) I can't help it. You know it's impossible for people to make themselves love each other if they don't. Cried Joe inelegantly. (laughs) Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. She softly pats his shoulder, remembering the time when he had comforted her so long ago. So she, she basically is like... I can't make yeah. you love. I can't make me love you if you if I don't. Sorry, that's good, the last time I'm trying to on this podcast. <laughs> no, but also it's yeah. so funny that it's remembering the time. Was there only yeah. first of all? What was the one time? I'm, I'm like, yeah, there were a lot. There's been moments like this before. Where yeah, just, yeah. I'm trying to pick out He's the been one there. time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm again thinking of the time when. Lori did kiss her, oh, and that yeah. was the, the... Yeah, when he called when he Marmy called up to... Marmy home, yeah, yeah. I could see that. So she says, you know, it's impossible for people to make themselves yeah. love other people if they don't. And Lori, in a muffled voice, says they do sometimes. Now, how do you yeah. feel about that answer? It's so childish. They do sometimes. That's how I imagine it. I don't no. imagine him saying like, it as if he thinks it really could happen. I imagine him saying it like a child who's just being contrarian and they need to be put down for a nap. That is how Lori feels. Yeah, Lori is going baby mode here. Yeah. I, and Joe answers, I don't believe it's the right sort of love and I'd rather not try it, which sort of seems to be, that's kind of like Alcott's foreclosure against, well, let's just get married and live in a house and... Yeah do our thing but i don't think i'll say no not even that yeah 
I don't even know if I read it that way because it's okay. It could also just be maybe if she were to marry him, she would want right. to feel that love. So it's not mm-hmm. that she couldn't see herself. They could, you know, get married, feel mm-hmm. that way. But if she were to try to change herself to love him and marry him, that okay. wouldn't be the right sort of love. Whereas yeah, I do yeah. think there is a world. I don't think it's her condemning that type of marriage necessarily, but mm-hmm. I think it's her understanding that for herself, that just couldn't. She couldn't live yeah. that way. I'm also thinking of this in the context of Alcott's first novel, which was for adults, which was called Moods. And it was about a, a kind of a Joe-like protagonist, much less gender transgressive, but had mental illness issues going on. And mm-hmm. that book sort of revolves around a woman saying yes to a proposal just because it seems like a good idea and yeah. people think that it will work for her. And the wedding scene in that novel is some of my favorite Alcott writing ever. This woman is just going through her wedding day disassociated, <laughs> watching from outside her own body. I could totally She's see that happening. She's completely numb going through this wedding, right? And kind of the moral of moods is you shouldn't jump too hastily into a marriage, especially if you don't love someone. Yeah. This was sort of, I know that this was sort of a reflection also of the ways that Alcott's father was mentally ill and mm. struggled with depressive periods and suicidality and often wasn't able to hold a job or provide for the family, which left Alcott's mother to pick up a lot of the slack. And mm-hmm. Alcott really saw the way that her mother suffered from being in this marriage. And I think that informed a lot of her own beliefs about when we should get married. <laughs> is love enough? <Yeah. laughs> should we rush into things? So it is so interesting how many fairly yeah. healthy marriages there are in this book. Marmy <laughs> and yeah. Father and Meg and John Brooke, other yeah. than their little jam incident, no, those are like, two fairly chill marriages. Yeah, even the jam incident, they come through it. <laughs> yeah, They yeah. respectfully resolve that conflict. <laughs> and it's interesting, the, vi- the vision of married life that we get with Meg and John Brooke, even that Alcott can't resist queering it a little. When the twins are conceived, they're conceived because... Meg sells all the silk she'd bought to make herself a new dress, buys a winter coat for John, greets him wearing the men's coat, and is like, how do you like my new dress? Is that the night that the twins are conceived? No, because, yeah, she greets him at the door (laughs) with the coat and is like, how do you like my new dress? And then Alka's like, such a state of bliss ensued that I hardly need to tell you what happened next. And then nine months (laughs) later in the spring, the (laughs) baby. That's so funny. That really went over my head. (laughs) Yeah, no, completely. It was a shock when I realized what was happening there. And first of all, the only way that Alcott can conceive of happily married heterosexual sex is if the girl is cross-dressing as a man, which is lovely. (laughs) That's very interesting. And that's sort of how she puts eroticism into this book, which is very rare. It's not a sexual book otherwise. But you know what's interesting is then, at this point in the conversation, Lori accuses Joe of loving Professor Bear. And she's like, if you love him, I'll do something desperate. He has a wrathful spark in her eye, in mm-hmm. his eyes. Lori wanted to laugh and is like, he's the best friend I've got next yeah. to you. Don't fly into a passion. Don't <laughs> abuse my professor. I haven't the least idea of loving him or anyone else. So again, I'm wondering if marrying Professor Bear was even in the cards at this point of yeah. writing in the chapter. Right. And it's so interesting for me coming into this, literally not knowing mm-hmm. how it happens, knowing that Joe marries this man and not knowing how it happens, because I I do not care to know, I do not wish Uh to see. Because Uh it does, 
even the way they interact in the previous chapter and the way she writes him is so different. He clearly isn't yeah, just a yeah. friend to her. She clearly does have a different type of feeling for him than I she get does it, yeah. for Lori. Yeah. If I was Lori reading those letters, I would uh-huh. totally feel insecure if she's they're yeah, all about yeah. this one man who she admires so greatly and especially someone who's so intellectual and really so frazzled and the only thing he cares about is studies where Lori is forcing himself to care about his studies when he cares about basically anything else. Yeah, you know what I think is really... I Actually, I'm tearing up. <laughs> oh. You know what I think is really sad is the way that she feels very deeply about Professor Bear. I think yeah. going from Lori to Professor Bear is... She has looked at Lori as the kind of boy that she wants to be, and now she sees Professor Bear as the kind of man she wants to be, and Ooh, Lori doesn't yeah. get that it's about identification. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. I don't, Or maybe it's... And again, since I don't know, this is just how I'm reading it right now. But to me, mm-hmm. Lori is definitely, I totally see that as Joe wanting to be like Lori and wanting to be the yeah. kind of boy Lori yeah. is and wanting to have that freedom that he has to be uh-huh. running around, being a dandy, being sort of a whatever that is. Yeah. But I see almost, I don't know. I know that Professor Bear, at least in the chapter, I only know him from this one chapter, really, or a couple yeah. chapters. And I know him as someone who cares a lot about morals and is sort of yeah. marmy-like in that way. And yeah. she knows that, <laughs> Joe knows that when she's writing those sensational stories, her family would not like this. And she knows that Dr. Bear doesn't approve either. And he's the one who's like, uh-huh. don't do this. He's the one who's saying all these things about Christianity that she really is- admires. I don't even know if it's necessarily, this is the kind of man I want to be, or this is the uh-huh. kind of person I've spent my life trying to please. And I feel yeah, as if yeah, yeah, this yeah. is really... I feel as though I want to please him in the same way I've wanted to please my mother, who she also has a non-zero yeah. amount of romantic feeling towards because she has some <laughs> amount of romantic feeling that is literally expressed on page towards every woman in her yeah. family. Yeah, exactly. No, like, I just wish I could marry Meg myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so what's interesting here now, she's like, I don't have the least idea of loving him or anybody else. Yeah. And in the original text... Lori answers, but you will Mm. love someone else after a while. And here she answers, you'll love someone else too. And the language is, at least here, it's gender neutral. Yeah. (laughs) Which is interesting to me, right? Loving him or anybody else. Yeah, I'm now imagining it too of, imagine in our current parlance, you'll love someone else too. Like a sensible boy. Like she's saying, Lori will (laughs) love a sensible boy. But she's really saying, you'll love someone else too, as you are a sensible boy. But I'm imagining in the way we currently say it. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe she said you'll love someone else too. For instance, a sensible oh, yeah. boy. And, yeah, I can't believe she just outed him like that. That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know, even here, through on, he says, I can't love anyone else. And I'll never forget you, Joe. Never with a stamp. He's like, yeah. still baby mode. Baby mode yeah. is the word of the day. So then we're circling back in the argument. Yeah, it's a very circular <laughs> argument. Yeah. <laughs> Lori has seen a ray of hope. Okay, so Joe says, you haven't heard what I wanted to tell you. You're not listening to me. Sit down and listen. For indeed, I want to do right and make you happy. Yeah. Hoping to soothe him with a little reason. Right, and it's literally the same. Yes, and that line I wrote there in my annotations, love and reason are not compatible. And that's what (laughs) I was looking for. We're literally on the same spread of pages as we were, at least in my edition, on the previous pages where he's saying, no, we can, he's trying to give reason. And now she's trying to reason with him, but he could never listen to that reason because he's in love. And because 
she's she ends the speech with "I want to do right and make you happy," seeing her yeah. ray of hope in that last speech. Yeah, where <laughs> he's like, "All right," and listening, he's like, "Oh, you want to make me happy? Then marry me." <laughs> he threw himself down on the grass at her feet. So there's this gender reversal again. There's this self abnegation mm-hmm. of I'm throwing myself down on the ground at your feet, looking up at her, and she's like, "How could she say hard things to her boy?" And what do we make of Alcott or Joe thinking of? Lori throughout this as her boy. I see it as so siblingly. That's always they yeah. say, my boy, my girl. At that one point where it's so funny that they are addressing it when usually they say fellow or chap or whatever. Yep. But I don't see it as my boy, like my romantic boy. I see it as no. how she might say that about her sisters. I see it as she yeah. feels some ownership over him because she's transformed him. She's seen his transformation throughout the years yeah. that she's known him. I don't call my girlfriend my girl. That would feel so <laughs> weird. That's I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, your girlfriend isn't the girl that you were romantically dating, <laughs> but yeah. girls often are like, yeah, that's right, my girl. No, yeah. or, right, my- <laughs> I'm going to the Jays game with my boys. You right. Know? <laughs> In the way that an older woman would say my girlfriend and mean her friend, she would say yeah, my yeah. girl. So it's- yes, I could totally say that as a friendship yeah. thing. Yeah, there's very modern senses that we just say my girl and my boy. Yeah, Absolutely. And she's stroking the wavy hair, which had been allowed to grow for her sake. Again, Lori was kind of <laughs> offering this, <laughs> adapting Lori's own appearance to appeal to Joe. Yeah. I love that <sighs> in that same line, she gently turned his head away. Like, I'm imagining her like, <laughs> grasping like, his head and <laughs> moving it slightly. Please, look she's away. like, literally, yeah. don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> so here she says, I agree with mother, which has to be a blow for Lori. I mean, yeah, doesn't think that I they're good for each that other. That is really sad. <laughs> you and I are not suited to each other. Our quick tempers and strong wills would probably make us very miserable if we were so foolish as to, and Joe pauses before we can say Mary. And Joe, utter, mm. sorry, Lori utters it with a rapturous expression. Mary? No, we shouldn't. <laughs> if you love me, Joe, I should be a perfect saint. For you can make me anything you like, which is... <laughs> it's also so, it is so yeah. like gender role reversal. Because you never yeah. hear in a straight relationship, no. oh, this man changed so much when he got into... It. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, I'm a, it's, no, this, you say like about maybe a friend who gets into a bad relationship. <laughs> oh, she changed so much for him. She's yeah. totally different. And that is like, he's saying, I will do this. I've already done this. I've already changed my hair. I've already stopped playing billiards. You can mold me like clay. I'm going to do whatever you want. It's so desperate. And then again, in reference to you can make me anything you like, she says, no, I can't. I've tried it and failed. (laughs) So that's where it comes in is I can't actually make you anything that I like. Yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah, that is so interesting of like, I've tried it and failed. Because if we just think of it as little actions, stop playing billiards, she has succeeded. But maybe I've tried it and failed. Maybe she's tried to make him into an object of her romantic desire and failed. I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think obviously haunting the text is the impossible of articulating anything about being gay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or transitioning, I think. Sure. It's like, I don't know why I don't love you. It's, yeah. it's the wildest thing. I don't know why I can't make you into anything that I like. Probably yeah. we won't be able to do that for a few hundred more years when we get <laughs> estrogen on the market. <laughs> no, it's, but yeah, it is so much. Yeah, the I don't know is really telling because I think she really doesn't know. If she had a concrete yeah. answer, this conversation wouldn't continue going in circles the way it is. Yeah. Because if she said, if she just said, yes, I am in love with someone else, I think that would be probably very heartbreaking to Lori, but mm-hmm. at least he would be like, like, okay, there's the answer. She's in love with someone else. That's a concrete answer. But there is no yeah. concrete answer. 
But I think something else here, I have the original text here earlier mm-hmm. on when he's talking about all the things he gave up. He said, I gave up billiards and cigars <laughs> and tried to be what you wanted. Yeah. So he does cigar. Yeah. We know he's also given up drinking. As far as you can make me anything you like, he's grown his hair longer for her. I think it's almost as though there are ways that kind of Joe is trying to smooth down kind of the more rough edges of manhood and yeah. the dangerous elements of masculinity. Right, that is pulling sort of Lori towards androgyny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then way. she's like, well, if we take Alcott at her word when she says, I've been in love in my life with ever so many pretty girls and never mm-hmm. once the least little bit with any man, maybe this is a direct acknowledgement of, I've tried to make you into a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gotten you to give up billiards and cigars and drinking and grow your hair long. And it- it's funny because I feel like they both got to some sort of midpoint where yeah. Joe, especially when she had her hair cropped, when mm-hmm, literally that mm-hmm. chapter is so, it sends me every time where she's like, literally the only thing I can do for my dad is go run and get my hair chopped off. It's like, okay, queen, you think that. It's like, <laughs> that just that really classic, struck me on this reading. That classic Daniel Lavery thing of, oh, father is ill, I must bind my breasts. How will that help? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I must bind my breasts. It's- yeah, I think there's a way yeah. that they've gotten, that they've both molded each other, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. through their friendship and through their relationship. Joe, even though she has those, you know, boyish, mannish tendencies, whatever mm-hmm. the text characterizes her as, she, through following Lori's lead, has been able to express those more and goes more towards that center point between masculine and yeah. feminine, closer yeah. to the masculine. And he goes more to the feminine because she, you know, wants him to be healthier, whatever the goal, whatever the outside reason is other than Mm -hmm. wanting him to be more, you know, feminine or whatnot. They both reach some sort of midpoint that is not appealing now to, to Joe because they're too close to what they are to each other. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's so I think they have reached. They were there. At the end of the first book, they were there. They were yeah. in this platonic ideal of a non-gendered relationship yeah. that didn't involve sex, that didn't involve romance. And now the world is kind of making them, it's pulling them in that direction. And it ill suits both of them, I yeah. think. And so she's like, we'll be good friends all our lives. She's repeating mm-hmm. the vow they made, but we won't go and do anything rash. And Lori's like, yes, we will, <laughs> rebelliously. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, now do be reasonable and take a sensible view of the case. And <laughs> Lori goes, I won't be reasonable. I don't want to take what you call a sensible view. It won't help me. And it only makes you harder. I don't believe you got any heart. Which again, it goes back to like, Lori fully has the feminized point of view in this I'm all emotion. I'm all heart. And Joe's like, let me just logic our way out of this one. (laughs) Yeah, I think reading this also as what we were just talking about of Lori, just knowing it's not right and probably in his heart understanding this marriage would be bad is still so toddler-esque in his desire for this. A toddler sees a shiny object and then all day, even though their parents say, you can't have that. He's like, no, I want it. I need it. No, you don't. And he knows this logically, but there is no logic in this conversation. Only emotion. And if he tries to be reasonable, he won't be. And I mean, I think at this point, we start to get outside parties intruding because this next appeal is like, don't disappoint us. Everyone expects it. Grandpa has set his heart upon it. Your people like it, even though Joe has just said Marmy doesn't approve. (laughs) And I can't get on without you. Say you will and let's be happy. Now it's we for the good of the group. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Which I think, again, speaks to outside expectations. How do we keep being this close and make everyone in our lives happy unless we get married? That kind of seems like the only way. And 
Not until months afterward did Joe understand how she had the strength of mind to hold fast to the resolution she made when she decided that she did not love her boy and never could. It's the appeal of everyone expects it. Grandpa, your people. It's that. It's that family appeal that all that is the closest that tests her the hardest. Yeah. And I also wonder, I did write and I thought, especially because mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a specific textual moment because I haven't read it. Of What is the thing months down the line that makes Joe understand why she was I, able to hold resolute to it? No, and especially because here she's adamant. I don't love Professor Bear. Yeah. I'm not going to marry anyone. And then we know that she, is go- she goes back on it. I think it is a real flaw of this novel that... She gets married to Professor Bear. Yes. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll be on the, yeah. I will be on the record here. It undercuts the emotional power of this scene. It's upsetting to me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just rambling. I don't. Yeah. I'm glad in my head and yeah. my version of Little Women That Stops at the next yeah. chapter, Beth is alive and Joe is unmarried. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in the original version, he doesn't mention in the first version mm-hmm. of the draft here that I have, he doesn't say your people he says grandpa and i interesting (laughs) which then is not preceded by any grand speech about how hard it is it's i think it's the expectation that joe's family might want her to do this that i think is the difficult thing so she says i can't say yes truly so i won't say it at all you'll see that i'm right and then laurie bounces up and says i'll be hanged if i do so so that's expression number two of suicidality in this chapter And then, okay, so here, Joe says, you'll get over this and find some lovely accomplished girl who will adore you and make a fine mistress for your fine house. I shouldn't. So immediately, we're out of kind of gender ambiguous, you'll love someone territory. And like, no, you'll find a girl and she will be a beautiful wife, which makes me wonder if Joe honestly believes that's what Lori wants. And then we get into some self-loathing. I'm homely yeah, and awkward yeah. and odd and old. She's 21, right? She's How old is not she in this? old. No, yeah. she's not old at all. And you'd be ashamed of me. Where is that coming from? And we should quarrel. We can't help it even now, you see. And I shouldn't like elegant society. And you would, would he? And you'd hate my scribbling and I couldn't get on without it. Lori has been very supportive of Joe's writing. <laughs> and we should be unhappy and wish we hadn't done it and everything would be horrid. It's as though she's talking to just a man. She's yeah. not talking to Lori here. Yeah. None of this squares with Lori or their relationship at all. It's as though she's speaking to just some random suitor and is like, no, for all these reasons, right. it wouldn't work. And then I love that he's like, <laughs> okay, anything more? It's the one thing he says in this whole chapter. That's so calm yeah. almost she has the outburst and he's like okay <laughs> great well, i'm fine with yeah, that he's like i can't relate to anything you just said because yeah. none of it's really true of me yeah except she says well i have nothing more to say except that i don't believe i shall mm-hmm. ever marry i'm happy as i am and i love my liberty too well to be in any hurry to give it up for any mortal man and in the original draft for any mortal man is excluded that's so interesting because that was the only time i wrote in the text that it had christian undertones in this chapter because mortal Mm -hmm. man obviously referring to her eternal heavenly father she could give up these Mm -hmm. freedoms for so it's interesting to think that either her editor or if maybe louisa may alcott was like well i had you know it's still a girl story quote unquote i still have to moralize like maybe (sighs) i have to add that in (laughs) Yeah, it's a very weird little Christian-y exclusion. It's maybe as though trying to frame Joe's singlehood in the non-anchorite way. Yeah, yeah. I will only be in love with Jesus. (laughs) But there is also something so interesting about that because truly in the first book, their whole life is almost Mm cloister-ish because they're all women living together. 
studying the Bible and <laughs> being childish and playful and not in a bad way, not childish in a bad way, childish in the way that they're allowed to be free and sort of pre-lapsarian almost. Uh-huh. Their life is so, it's so <laughs> idyllic. And then to yep. have this change is so... I could see Joe becoming a nun. I could totally see that for her. That would be the sound of music to Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. I said much earlier. <laughs> Another little note when she says we should quarrel, we can't help it. The original draft says we can't help it, though we love one another. And that was sort of scratched out between drafts, which is interesting to me. That is um, interesting, but I feel like it's subtext almost. I think because if you've read the book up to that point, you understand yeah. that their quarrels are out of love. Yeah, and even here, I don't ever get the sense that it's Joe and Lori will never speak again. No, not at all. The care is too deep. What happens here, after she says, I love my liberty too well Mm -hmm. to be in any hurry to give it up, this is when I know better broken Lori, you think so now, but there will come a time when you will care for somebody and you'll love him tremendously and live and die for him, I know you will. And in the original draft, the line is, I know better, you think so now, but there will come a time when you will care for someone and you'll love them with all your heart and soul. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, mm. Yeah, mm. that's so interesting. Just purposefully change the pronoun to be yep. gendered is so, so fascinating because that is also, with, I don't know, you know how everyone's like, yeah. obviously there have been gender neutral pronouns forever, but also there have been used in <laughs> queer contexts where you don't worry, you know, yeah. the person you're speaking to is probably not going to marry a man. And you're no, like, well, like, okay. In a very real sense, Alcott was surrounded by queer people. <laughs> in yeah. People, even if it wasn't written about in children's stories with Christian overtones, mm-hmm. people were having queer sex and queer relationships yeah. in this period. And they were, you know, queer people were living together and making arrangements for that to happen. This was around the time that Albert Cashier was living full time as a man. These things did happen. There would have been an understanding of that. I don't know entirely what to make of the switch from you'll love them to you'll love him, but it's there. It sure is. Greta Gerwig preserves them for what it's worth. Sly. Laurie says you'll love them. It's <laughs> Greta doesn't write in like a girl for Joe to be in love with <laughs> at yeah. the end of the day. Joe literally does choose independence. I don't know what we're laying the ground here for because Joe has pretty adamantly been like, I don't love Professor Bear. It's, that's not happening. If I was reading forward as someone who, imagine I yeah. have no knowledge, yeah, yeah. to me, and especially just with the following chapter, I think it's just setting up that the main love is between her sister. Is like She cares for her yeah. sister so much, and that is the most important relationship, and that is the relationship. Yeah. Those are, or those are the relationships that follows her through. Because she loves Lori like a brother, or doesn't mm-hmm. see him as one of her core sisters, I know there's other mm-hmm. gender things in the way, but if we're just reading it at yeah, face yeah. value, then maybe that is also why she's unable to marry him, because her sisters have her whole heart, and her sisters are yeah. the people she cares about the most. And if even though he's a brother, even though the fifth March sister in some way, that's he's still not one of the her main core loves of her life that's so sad that's so fucking sad for Lori that it's you're just not a March sister ultimately at the end of the day I get the sense in the following chapter Beth says I love Lori as a brother and Joe's like well probably he will be a brother not through me but maybe he'll marry Amy yeah 
You know, I think you've touched on something so important here, which is the most important relationships in Joe's life being her sisters. A lot of the time, people think about Alcott and they're like, she never married or had children. So that literally isn't true because she adopted her younger sister May's daughter when May passed away. Mm. She formally adopted Lulu and raised Lulu. And she also formally adopted her other sister, Anna's son, John, and made him John Alcott so that he could inherit her copyright. So yes, she did have children. She adopted children. But if we think about, I think there was a real blending of the marriage relationship and the sisterly relationship. Because when Anna's husband passed away, Lou Alcott wrote, I must be a father to these children now. So she was living with her sister. She was raising her sister's children. The line between what would a husband do as far as earning income to support the family and helping to raise the kids, Lou was in that role. And I'm not suggesting that there was anything romantic about those relationships. But it's it's still, if you're thinking about the way that marriage Mm -hmm. in this time is the most important, seen as the most important relationship, seen as, especially in a sort of Protestant way, these are, Mm -hmm. this is your core family and there is no, there, you might have relationships outside of them, but this your core family it's so (laughs) she's like no my sisters my family that i was born into and have these relationships with and have loved my entire life these are the people that i care about most why would i choose a man to marry over these people who i have shared my entire life up until this point with yeah. And I think, honestly, I think Lori is feeling that too. Although, again, I think Lori does have romantic feelings for Joe. I think Lori doesn't really have a family. Yeah. <laughs> Even at the end of this chapter, the talk with his grandfather is so stilted. Mm-hmm. They just don't get along well with one another. Grandpa is kind of making an effort here for the first time in his life with yeah. Lori. I read Grandpa Lawrence in such a different way this time. Yeah. I don't know. He's had such a tragic life. I really understand his desire to like protect Lori and keep him. Yeah. And that's where his, obviously, his strict yeah. attitude comes from. He has so many feminine qualities, too, that okay, yeah. are specifically described in the book that I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, I really enjoyed him in this read. I think literally when he's consoling, he says, as gently as a woman, I know my boy, I know. Yeah. He's taking on a womanly role the first time he's ever chilled to Lori. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet you asked, it's, you know, the Christian Bale monologue in the 1994 Little Women when he's proposing to Amy and she's like, this doesn't make any sense. This is the first Mm -hmm. time you've ever spoken to me. He's like, okay, well, just as you've always known that you can't marry a pauper, I known that I am meant to be a part of the March family, it's, which oh, is an interesting yeah. contrivance on the part of that screenwriter, which is yeah. she's like, this is what it's about for Lori is being part of this family. I don't know if you've ever had this, but just sometimes a couple times for me, one of the really hard parts about breaking up with someone was I had grown close with their family. I'd been mm-hmm. over for Thanksgiving dinners. I, you know, developed a rapport relationship with their parents. And now I don't have that anymore. And that sucks. I I was kind of part of this family and now I'm not. And imagine how crushing it must be for Lori, who has this obviously is very close with all of the sisters and especially with Marmy, who is the closest thing he has to a mom since his own mom passed away. And it's this feeling of I'm not only shut out from Joe, but from this whole world that has been such a big part of my identity and has been my family. And I think that has to has a lot to do with the despair that Laurie is feeling here when he I'm sure it swings does. Down. Absolutely. <laughs> when he says, You'll be sorry someday, Joe. And yeah. 
goes down to the river and Joe's heart stands still, which is gorgeous phrasing, by the way. And because she thinks he's going to drown himself. Yeah. Because he says he's going to the devil. She's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Literally, he's first, saying. Yeah. Which is the first time that religion intrudes here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lori hasn't been like, we should be man and wife joined by the Lord. But it's also whatever. not like, the first time that Lori has implied he's going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> he is literally in the I forget if it's Beth in the Castle in the Sky chapter. Joe is like, it's gonna be really hard for me to get up there. And Lori's like, I'm gonna be right down there with you. And Beth is like, I'm going there right away. And they're like, Yes, Queen. So you are girl. Yeah, and so it sounds like Joe for a second is really worried that Lori is about to kill yeah. himself in yeah. front of her. And then she walks away feeling as though she had murdered some innocent thing and buried it under the leaves, which I feel that. I absolutely buy that. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a terrible feeling to tell someone who's in love with you that I just don't feel the same way. And she says, I will have to go tell his grandpa. And you know, I wish he'd love Beth. Perhaps he may in time. Yeah, it's so it's truly so funny that she's still yeah. until a few pages for a few pages more is still mm-hmm. thinking probably her secret and the reason the light has left her eyes and she's crying at the window is because she has a crush on Lori. Well, yeah, which again it doesn't come up till now. She's not at any point like Lori. We can't get married because Beth is in no, love with you. No, that no, does no, not. No. It's just I think it's just her consoling herself. She's like there are other March sisters for him to marry. It's okay. <laughs> I also love that she. Yeah, could help how found it difficult how other girls could help loving Lori because she's Yeah. That's what actually that's Mr. Lawrence says that because and I love that yeah. because he's like, Yeah, I love this boy. I love this freaky little boy. No. And then he's like, I don't know if it's this is these are Mr. Lawrence's thoughts calling him this or if this is sort of just uh-huh. Louisa May Alcott's, you know, imposition, but uh-huh. her saying calling Lori Young Impetuosity, capital Y, yeah. capital I as a nickname <laughs> is so funny. <laughs> oh my god yeah young impetuosity that's him that's, that's his yeah, drag that's name, his name. Oh. yeah no literally no i learned yeah. later that the sonata pathetique is his drag name <laughs> oh. i'm losing it i it's just and so it's also interesting that in this scene where joe is telling grandpa what happened she's crying so dismally over yeah. her own insensibility she's beating herself up now mm-hmm. she's like i just didn't handle that right or <sighs> This is going to be the longest episode in Joe's Boy's history, and rightfully so. Right. I mean, also, I lack the ability to not speak a lot about things that I want to no. talk about. So I completely. Yeah. I was going in like, this is the chapter we can spend as much yeah. time here as we like. Gorge. I don't want to dwell too much on the plans for the Lawrence Boy's trip to Europe. Sure. Except that when Grandpa is consoling, even though he says that he's speaking to Lori g- as gently as a woman. Yeah. At a certain point, he says, take it like a man. He says this to, he's, I think it's like when boomers have trans grandkids and they have to unlearn (laughs) things. That's how I'm reading it. It's, he's still learning, but like he has the desire to really learn. I want it, but before, just before that, because he's playing the piano and he's playing the Sonata Pathetique, which is, again, so funny. (laughs) An amazing name. And then he plays something gayer, as Mr. Lawrence tells him. But (laughs) then he stops because he hears Mrs. March say, Joe, dear, come in. I want you. And then Mm -hmm. it says, just what Lori longed to say with a different meaning, which was so interesting because even when I was listening, I was like, wow, this is sort of the first reference to something fairly sexual in nature of Lori's thoughts between them, which is so interesting because it it doesn't come up really before that of any sort of sexual thoughts that, no, no, I want you is very sexual. (laughs) Well, come in also. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Right? Okay. Which is fascinating. Joe, dear, come in. I want you. (laughs) 
even more explicit. If Mrs. Marchand said, like, come inside, I want you. That's still okay. That would be completely innocuous in one context and filthy in another. Yeah. And also, it's sort of positioning Laurie as the bottom in this interaction yes. as well. What he wants Joe to oh do God. to him. I mean, if he had only expressed that, I feel like maybe Joe would be you know, into I, it. Yeah, it, if <laughs> I think if the proposition had been you be my husband, or yeah. if Lori had figured out some way to get Joe to be the one to propose, yes. then I think that this could have ended differently. Because in the end, ultimately, I hate Professor Bear, we know this, but Joe proposes to Professor Bear. He's oh, leaving. Okay. She runs after him and is like, hey, no, marry me. Right. But if we got married, then I need to be able to have a career. I yeah. need to be able to write. And it's a very different. Yeah. Basically, Joe is the one proposing, whereas here, that's very much not the case. And it's right. If Laurie had just, he was so emotional, but if he had thought about it, not that again, yeah. now I'm speaking like Laurie, we're like, if you just went about it differently, it could change. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Joe is fictional, but yeah. <laughs> Some of Joe's objections here and things of like, well, you would hate when I scribble and yeah. love society. And Laurie's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. That's not me at all. Yeah. It's more, I think that speaks to more just Joe's ambivalence about being a a wife, capital W. Mm -hmm. That's not something that Joe wants to be. Whatever relationship she's going to have, it can't be a conventional one. It's also so interesting that she even says that, oh, you Mm -hmm. would want society and I would hate it. When the first meeting they ever have (laughs) is they're both hiding away from a society Mm -hmm. events. They both clearly have some of these desires. Yeah, and I mean, I just recorded an episode which should be coming out in the fall about this other Alcott short story, Enigmas, which is mm. a young man goes to spy on another young man and is like, why am I so attracted to this young oh man? He's, his lips are so supple and his yeah. hair is so curly. And What's happening to me? Yeah, I'm thinking about his dress as though I were a woman. He's into this guy. Yeah. And then at the very end, it's revealed that the man was a woman in disguise. <laughs> Wait, that's um, so, it's so queer. But that. even even then, it, it gets weirder than that because when the disguise is revealed, it's like, oh yeah, obviously I disguised myself as a man because as a boy, I was disguised as a boy for a length of time. So it just is natural. So, sorry, what? <laughs> so, okay. It's like the explanation is only making it gayer. We have to stop. Yeah. No, it's very... <laughs> And there's this other short story. That's so that short story is called Enigmas. There's another short story called My Mysterious Mademoiselle, which is the same thing. A man gets in a carriage and is allured to this young girl, and it's like she's so well, young woman, she's beautiful. Yeah. He's like, I want to kiss her. And then the next morning, he wakes up in the carriage, and there's a young man sitting there, and he's like, Guess what? I was in disguise all along as a woman. Do you still want to kiss me? And <laughs> so, oh my God. I know that there's curiosity about transness in romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really stopping Joe and Lori is that they can't do that, you know? Yeah, they don't have the language or an understanding that's mm-hmm. what each other wants necessarily. No, or that it's possible outside of sensation stories where the yeah. transition is like a shocking twist, right? And it's very, yeah. I'm sorry, this is completely beside the point, but one note that I loved here is that... <laughs> At one point, she meant to write, Alcott in the transcript meant to write don't, but instead wrote gant, like G-A-N apostrophe T, and then struck it out so hard so many times. She was obviously frustrated with herself for writing gant, gant which is so... That, that literally is me all the damn time when I'm writing. 
No, I it's, totally yes. understand that. You're thinking of the next word and then you write the word that is. Yeah, no, that's so yeah. real. Yeah, the whole stuff of Joe being a writer on this read through. <laughs> Last time, I obviously was uh-huh. a writer, but I didn't have any uh-huh. p- published books out the first I read it. Yeah. She wishes she hadn't published this book because of all the <laughs> letters she got saying conflicting things. I'm yeah. like, wow, it's so real, even 150 uh-huh. plus years later. Yeah. And speaking of the letters, this was a chapter in defiance of letters, which I think is shocking because there were very few things that Alcott wouldn't do for a paycheck and Mary Jo Delory was one of them. I love how much both Joe and Louisa May Alcott are like, writing? Mm -hmm. Sure, it's a craft, but I'm doing this to get money for my family. Get a paycheck. That is not right for money. That's actually a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think people realize for large parts of Alcott's childhood, the family was homeless. They were Some sisters were living with one group of relatives and others were in another city with other people and they were living in basements for a while. Yeah. It really was economic, I think. Again, economics does... Joe is not concerned about making money or being wealthy. That was very much a concern when Meg was thinking about whether to marry John. It's not yeah. something that Joe is thinking it's about It's not here. a concern for this marriage, but it is a concern in no. her life generally. Yeah, So yeah. that it's interesting that for this, she's like, mm-hmm. even though Lori has this money, because she is so... Yeah. She loves making her own money. She loves having that. I love the visual of her counting her dollars when she earns yes. them. That feels so yeah. real. Like You're like, yeah, admiring the fact that you made this money, especially when you don't have it growing up. Okay. I feel like one last thing for the chapter. I have two last things, but oh, go oh, on. Oh, please. Yeah. No, well, because mine is the very last line, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is one of yours. But if, yours, if one okay. of yours comes before that, let's do that. Sure. So mine is when he's like, well, I'm going to Europe. I'm going to go say goodbye to the marches. And... He's affecting high spirits to conceal certain inconvenient emotions. Yeah. And this gaiety, it's not fooling anyone, but they kind of go along with it until Mrs. March kissed him with a whisper full of motherly solicitude. And then feeling that he was going very fast, he hastily embraced all of them all around and ran downstairs as if for his life. It's this maternal Mm -hmm. cuddle that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And he's like, I can't be here anymore. I can't pretend. Which is just, which again speaks to what a loss this was in terms of not only not getting to marry Joe, but not getting to be part of the March family anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. No, totally. (sighs) He really loves Marmy. And I think it's a touching relationship throughout the book, I think. This is also, we also get some, there aren't many references in the book to like Lori's father, but we do, Mm -hmm. Grandpa here is like, I'm determined not to lose Lori, I lost Lori's father, which Lori's father was like, I'm going to marry this Italian woman who I love and I don't care if you are racist. (laughs) So it's a bit different, but. It's so tragic when people are racist to Italians. (laughs) Well, in this age, yes, it was. (laughs) No, I I know. And also, it's so funny. (laughs) I, Yeah. So we're reminded, by the way, BT Dubs, Lori is an orphan, and it breaks his heart when he has to say goodbye to Marmy here. So that's the one thing I wanted to talk about. And then the other one is, as they are saying goodbye, he just leaves before saying goodbye to Joe. She waves at him. He comes back, Mm -hmm. gives her a hug. As she stood on the step above him, so she's now in a position of... Yeah. Before he was lying on the grass in front of her, she's still in that kind of superior position. He looks up at her with a face that made his short appeal both eloquent and pathetic. Oh, Joe, can't you? Teddy, dear, I wish I could. And that's Mm -hmm. different from anything she said before. I wish I could. It's very different from the total resolve of I'm not marrying you. It's simply not happening. It's different now. And why do you think it's different now? Uh, Well, I think it goes along with I tried. And also it's her parting word to him. It's a last thing to say when someone's leaving for your last word for, to them to be, 
no, is so hard. <laughs> yeah. I understand being like, I wish I could. And then leaving them with mm-hmm. that. That's so much more romantic and storybook. Yeah, jo is yeah. so aware of herself as a character in a book, as even in a meta textual way. She's like, this is something that a character in a book would say. Oh, Teddy, dear, I wish yeah. I could. Even calling him Teddy and not Lori. Yeah, it's so yeah. romantic. And again, the way that... Joe and Louisa May Alcott use the word of romantic as in a romance novel or of the a story romantic. And it's so, it is so romantic and tragic. <laughs> and again, in the original draft, Laurie says, Oh, Joe, can't you? And Joe answers, No, period. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. No, I literally, okay. And that is so, no. <laughs> Wait, is there anything else? It says, No, it just it's, says, No. It's- Quotation mark, no, period, quotation mark. And then she crossed it out and wrote, Teddy, dear, I wish I could. Okay. I, oh, so she crossed out even in that first draft. In the first draft. She, she was, was like, like I know that this is not, this needs to be. I love that she was like, on my second pass of this, that seems a little too harsh. Let me do a quick change. No, that's great. I also love, and I love the very last line is, mm-hmm. he's leaving, we're in Joe's mm-hmm. head, and she says, the she knew the boy, Lori, would never would never would come again and it's so interesting because it's either like she sort of made him into a man through this hardship or it's like this boy the child she knew or the boy lori Uh in a gender way but also they knew each other as children this is almost a child this is the last childish act either of them can have in regards to romantic relationships because the way Uh he's speaking is so childish but now he's like okay now i actually need to go figure out my life and go do something Yeah, this is the coming of age moment for Lori. The boy Lori never would come again. Their childhood is gone. I think I'll end it there. We've been talking for a long time. But (laughs) there's a lot of, for all the gender ambiguity of this chapter and kind of the male roles that Joe takes on and kind of Lori is unmanfully crying and all that. He's a man now. The boy, the child Lori that's done, they are passed into something different. And her guilt is really vivid here. She says she felt as if she had stabbed her dearest friend. Mm -mm. There's no sense, but it's fine because I'm doing the right thing. Right. It's just like, I feel like I just stabbed my dearest friend. (laughs) So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, this is the fucking chapter. And thank you for tangling in it with me. Thank you for wrestling with it with me and spending so much time. This was such a treat. Yeah. Just reading it. (laughs) I'm so glad that this motivated me to reread the whole thing. I'm so glad I didn't read this chapter without the context of the rest of the story that had come beforehand because I think Uh I could really engage with this in a more Uh full, broad way. So yeah, I I love this endeavor that you're undertaking. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. Well, yeah, and thank you for being here and being so generous with your time. Where can people find you online? How can they support you? And where can they buy The Year My Life Went Down the Toilet? So where can people find me? I am, my website is jakearlo.com, J-A-K-E-A-R-L-O-W.com. I'm at Jake, who's a silly goose on Instagram. And that's pretty much my only social media at this point. And I'm also currently locked out of it. So I guess stay tuned to see how that progresses. So who knows if I'll even be there. (laughs) You can purchase... The Year My Life Went Down the Toilet, which is my middle grade novel about a girl who gets diagnosed with chronic illness and joins a support group for kids with that chronic illness and middle school hilarity ensues. I have a list of places you can buy it at downthetoilet.info or you can just Google it. That also will work. Or (laughs) buy it, I don't know, at a bookstore, request it at a bookstore, request it at the library, whatever you want. (laughs) It's so beautiful. Give it to a kid you know with... Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. 
Yes. Perfect title, perfect cover, perfect, <laughs> you know, introduction of a topic that hasn't really been covered in children's books up to now. I'm very excited to read it. I have loved Almost Flying. I have how to excavate a heart on my shelf as well. It just, it oh, has not oh been gosh. read yet. <laughs> totally fine. Maybe give it a few months. I feel like it's a better, cooler weather. Okay. Read. <laughs> I've been told I shouldn't discourage people from reading it in warmer <laughs> weather. So it's also a great warmer yeah. weather read if you want to be reminded of the colder <laughs> weather. So thank you. As always, I'm your host, Peyton Thomas. You can find me online at peytonthomas.ca and buy my book, Both Sides Now, wherever books are sold. Buy it with Dear My Life Went Down the Toilet. It's a, yes. I don't know. It's a good combo. One-two sure. punch. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at Joe's Boys Pod. And if you like us, please leave a rating, leave a review. I wanted to read one review that someone, oh. Wampus Baby, recently left us. Wampus Baby said, honestly, I've been waiting for this podcast my entire life and just didn't know it. I feel like I am listening to a little woman's soulmate. This is so, so well-researched and presented. A complete joy to listen to. I just can't recommend it enough. So thank you for that, Leva. I hope Wampus feels that way after this long episode. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we could have gone longer. I could have for sure, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's... This is the chapter. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And thank you again for being here, Jake. This yes, was Yes, thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>